Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Hey, welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. Today, we're going to spend much of the program discussing the life and teachings of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. We, were, we will read over some of the remarks delivered by uh, President Ronald Reagan on the day he signed the legislation making it a federal holiday. I bet you didn't know that. Uh, that it was not until 1983 that that it was at the federal level signed into law, creating that federal holiday. And a little disconcerting, it wasn't until 2000, the year 2000, that every state in the nation would observe it. We'll get into those details uh, later on. Right now, though, uh, in addition to our, our conversations about Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., uh, we, of course, have to spend a, a bit of time on the rollout of a vaccine. I have been a bit distracted from covering issues surrounding COVID-19 for uh, the past week or so. You might imagine why. <laughs> we had <laughs> we had an attempted insurrection at the United States Capitol. We had an impeachment, and uh, we've had plenty of other items really, really distracting us from the global pandemic, <laughs> which... The past 60 seconds of me chatting with you feels surreal to describe that uh, and say that on top of it all, on top of everything that we've been seeing, on top of everything that played out in Washington, D.C. on January 6th, that that was all with a pandemic making its way around uh, our globe in the background. Vaccines, though, uh, are at hand. Vaccines finally are something that uh, we can call a reality. The distribution of them, though, as you well know, has been a bit delayed, and some of the some of the markers that were laid down early in the distribution process, some of the goals for distribution, uh, well, we have not met those. Uh, we're figuring things out, or at least attempting to do so here in the state of Utah. Uh, Dave and Debbie have been great about following this, uh, and in particular this morning, they put intense focus on what's been transpiring in Davis County, specifically by speaking with a representative from the Davis County Health Department, Trevor Warner, uh, to talk through some of what was learned. Uh, I've invited to the program Dave Noriega. Sir, welcome to the show. How are you? Doing well, thanks. Uh, you sound great. Technology's nice and figured out. Uh, we've got you uh, remote, you know, due to COVID-19 precautions and all. Uh, but talk to me as you, uh, you know, presented the, the concerns with the rollout. First, characterize what those concerns and what the shortcomings were, and then how is that explained by the Department of Health? Well, first of all, uh, everyone's overwhelmed. So I want to give a little bit of a buffer <laughs> for a lot of these organizations because just think of Black Friday. Everyone wants to be first in line, and it creates a bottleneck. So 
with that understanding, we're still trying to dive in and find out, is this just like a one-day problem or is this a problem with the way we've structured things? So let me, let me set it up a little bit. Uh, on Friday, the uh, Davis County Health Department uh, allowed for people over 70 to sign up and schedule a time to get the vaccine. Well, my mom falls in that category, so I thought I'd sit down and kind of help her. Because although she can, you know, do some stuff online, I thought it might be a little tricky. And Lee, super tricky. <laughs> if you were wondering. Oh, well, what's tricky about it? It's more than just I fit in this category, click. I yes. live in this neighborhood, click. I am available at this time, click. That, fe- that to me feels like all the information that would be needed. That's about all you should need. Uh, but, for example, at least in Davis County, there was an email verification uh, process. Oh. So it was sign up, get sent an email. Once that email arrives, then you click on a link that'll take you, and then you have some more questions, which is exactly what happened. But we started right at 8 o'clock. That's when it all opened up. Yeah. I may have started at 7.58. I may have started just a little early. <laughs> well, you, you know, you got to get ahead of these things. I, w- I want to be first in line. Anyway, uh, for the next hour, I was refreshing and clicking and trying to get in. And Lee, I'm telling you, it was just a nightmare. And a lot of our listeners this morning when I was telling this story, they're just raising their hands like, yep, right here. Yep. So there. (laughs) Exact same thing happened to me. And when we talked to the Davis County Health Department, they said they received 14,000 calls on Friday. Jeez. I I have here uh, an excerpt from the conversation you had. Here here he gives just a a quick explanation of the vaccine sign-up confusion. Let me play that, and we'll continue the conversation. The people themselves that wanted the shots were getting on, and then they had their grandkids or they had their son or daughter get on there. And so there was some double booking that was going on. What, what about that double booking? Yeah, it's so easy to do, right? I mean, I'm guilty myself. I was sitting down at my computer. I was trying to log on, and I had my mom logging on as well two feet away from me. Because we thought we had a better chance of of getting on. And what was happening is I would set it up, and then my mom would set it up, and now we have a double booking. And then it took them, you know, a few hours, obviously, to realize, oh, okay, this person has already been signed up. So let's release that time back out into the public. Mm -hmm. And then what ended up happening was my mom and I, we spent an hour until everything was filled up. We did not get... uh, a scheduled time, but then they called her later or they sent her an email later on in the day and said, Hey, some of these times have freed up. If you want to still uh, schedule a time, then go ahead. So the long and the short of it was my mom got her appointment, but it was kind of in a a different way. Hmm. How have some of these confusions played out or been addressed? Are there, have there been any changes as you spoke with Mr. Warner from the Davis County Health Department, or is it the same as was the the experience you had initially? No, they said that they're meeting today, they're meeting tomorrow, they're meeting all week to try to figure out how they can streamline the process. It's probably not going to change this week and maybe not even next week, Uh, but they are aware that there were some problems. They're trying to streamline it. Uh, Again, the scheduling is just overwhelming because he said they have, in Davis County alone, 25,000 people that are over 70 years old. Yeah. Well, they only get about 3,000 vaccines in a given week. So this is not a tomorrow problem. This is going to be playing out over the next two months. 
to try to get just the 70 and over crowd taken care of. Did this does this problem extend beyond just the user experience or those, you know, the experience of those seeking a vaccine or has it actually led to, you know, some vaccine which is on hand at the health department or in those, you know, uh, under its authority? Are, do we have vaccines sitting on the shelves? I don't think so. Okay. He he described right. it as this that they are getting the vaccines out uh, that they have, right. and uh, for example, they have this this really great setup uh, in Farmington, and and they had planned for this years ago for the H one N one for the swine flu. Sure. They kind of set this up, and they're using the exact same protocol. And I actually had a family member go through. He's in the uh, the the health uh, care industry. He said he went in. He's like, Dave, I bet I wasn't there for thirty seconds. It was so efficient. So they're able to get the vaccines in arms, but it's just getting people signed up and getting them loaded up. Uh, for example, they, they, they can give around 2,000 vaccinations a day. Um, and last week they gave out 1,600, 1,900, and 2,000 in three days. So they're they're hitting their goals. I don't think that's the problem. It's just everyone's very anxious they want to get in line, and quite frankly, it's overwhelming everybody because yeah. everybody wants to sign up. Well, that feels understandable. And while it's unfortunate that you and your mother and those who are in a similar circumstance, you know, have to do a little extra clicking and clacking, and it might be a little frustrating. I guess, you know, as you put it, at the end of the day, they are hitting the goals. I guess the a secondary debate might be: uh, are the, are the goals appropriate? Uh, are we moving fast enough? Have we ordered enough? Uh, but in terms of getting into the arms of those who need it, what you have on hand, uh, it seems like that's working out. Yeah, it definitely feels that way. Is there a better way to do it? I don't think so. I think it's just, you know, having to show a little patience. All right. Uh, Dave Noriega, thank you so much. We're going to take a, a quick break. When we return, we'll be speaking with Coach K, Kamala Maud on Martin Luther King Day Jr. next. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.